Fluent NYC presents the Be Fluent podcast, hosted by Marcia and Zina. Welcome back. This is episode 21 of the Be Fluent podcast, and I'm your host, Masha. And I'm Sinan. And this week, we have a fun, another fun episode, as usual, of course. Uh, we are going to be talking about being a first-generation immigrant. Um, and that, obviously, we're talking about here in the United States. But I suppose it could apply to wherever you may be as a listener. Um, so yeah, it's a fun episode. Tell us a little bit about our guest this week, Masha. So yeah, uh, we have the wonderful Rebecca Herlich. I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. Um, and she's so sweet. She actually used to work at Be Fluent. Um, actually, twice she worked for us for a bit as an intern, and then she came back after a few <coughs> years. Did you know her before? started working at before? I no 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 I think she might have um, come from Craigslist or huh, I can't funny. I don't think so I I guess because of your your sort of similar backgrounds I I assumed you had like known her from your childhood or something like that no but when I met her I was just like there's something so familiar about her you know that's so funny um, but she's really sweet, and she um, has learned many languages. She actually is also an amazing opera singer, like a beautiful opera singer. I think she studied that in university, and um, she now works for a French tea company, which has really good tea. Ah, tea. Uh, you should probably get... See if you can get some tea samples from her or something. I actually just got a, a big box of tea samples. Oh, was that from her? Oh, wow, yes. cool. She made my day. Nice. Um, well, so yeah, it's a fun it's a fun little chat about growing up in uh, New York and growing up with immigrant parents. Um, but so, yeah, let's dig in because we have a bunch of vocabulary this week. And of course, and then our, our next episode, you'll hear the interview itself. But so, as always, let's dig in. Um, remember, you will hear this sound with each new vocabulary word so that you can kind of easily go back and review these words and there's something to remind you uh, when a new word is being introduced. Um, but so, yeah, without any further ado, let's do our vocab this week, Masha. Um, what's our first word? So our first word is first generation. Ah, it's a good kind of starter. It's our theme, actually, in a way. So what does it mean to be first generation? So I, I said our theme this week is growing up as a first generation um, citizen. I guess what's the term for that? A first generation New Yorker. Or for first generation American. Uh, go, it's yeah. It means that both your parents uh, came to, to the U.S. from a different country, right? Or one parent. It could also be. Yeah, so I always thought it was two, but yeah, I Today, well, when we did the interview, I thought, I think it should include having um, uh, even just one parent. But it's when you were the first person to be born in a country. Well, and so, like, for example, I, I, I'm considered first generation, too, because my mother 
was born abroad. So for her family, I'm the first generation, right? Like, even if it's one part of your family, <coughs> excuse me, your family personally, what it's really a reference to is for her family. So for the Turkish people, I'm the first sort of offspring in their line to have been born in the United States. And so that's what it implies. It's like the first, as you say, generation uh, that's born in this new country. Um, and so both of us are first generation, actually, although my father was born in the States uh, and his family goes back a few generations. And that's actually the same case for, for Rebecca, I believe. In fact, the same scenario too, right? My mother was from Turkey and her mother was from Russia. Yeah. Um, all right. This so word number two? Second. I guess not. Give us a, an example sentence of, of first generation, like, used naturally. Oh, um, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm first generation Russian, I guess. First generation American. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, or, or like, the first generation American writer often spoke of his experiences, uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but so go on. Okay, word so the second, second word is um, little pockets of something. And so in this case, Rebecca was talking about how there are always like little pockets of um, d- different parts of New York where there are little pockets of, of people from different countries where they can kind of fit in and they don't even maybe have to speak English because there's so many people from that country. So how would you define the pockets, right? It's like in an idiom, right? Um, pockets is just like little areas. Well, not necessarily, right? Like it's more a reference to the people, right? Little pockets of people. So groupings. I, but I guess in that case, when we're talking about New York, it is about areas, right? Because we're talking about little areas in New York. But like, you know, there are little pockets of yeah, no, I guess it is mostly geographic ge- geography. Although I guess no, like in a high school, there are little pockets of like cliques, right? You could sort of describe in the same way or something. Artists, little pockets of artists, and little pockets of jocks or whatever, right? So, I mean, it's sort of little groups. Although typically, you often hear it as a place. In the city, there are little pockets of this type of person. So, for example, Mosh, an example sentence. Where are there little, what are little pockets in New York? There are pockets of Russian immigrants in Brighton Beach. Exactly. All right, so the next word is um, dual identity. Ooh, good one. Um, and so dual means two. Um, and identity obviously means your identity. So, um, I think this was Rebecca, but she was talking about her dual identity as an American and as a Russian, because she grew up speaking Russian as a language, and then kind of eventually had to adapt to the American part, right? Yeah. Um, and there's like dual citizenship, mm-hmm. dual identity. But I think in this case, like dual citizenship is a, is a technical term for if you have two passports whereas like dual identity is more psychological right mm-hmm. like how you feel who you are yeah just to give examples with the other when we use dual with other words right sure um yeah but so i mean 
I think dual identity is, is an important kind of concept even when you when you consider growing up as a first generation American you know I, even for myself I always felt growing up that I was almost a little too Turkish to be considered American by most people and then in Turkey I was too American to be considered Turkish when I when I visited there in the summers and stuff um, so I think that that dual identity feeling is, is very common among first-generation Americans. Yeah. Did you have that? <clears throat> um, I guess. I mean, I think when I was younger, I identified more with, like, Russian and Russian culture, so... Well, not to call you out, right? But in the interview, you mentioned how, like, you didn't know any, like, Star Wars references or... Yeah. Excuse us for the background noise there. The sounds of New York... Pretty late, I'm surprised. Um, but so, right, like you had some dual identity issues, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess, but I feel like it was more like, at the beginning I felt more, my identity was more Russian, and then as I got older, my identity became more American, and so I started to like see my family from the American perspective, um, like through kind of American eyes, whatever that means. Yeah. Which, which is a form of it, right? Yeah. Maybe just sort of later than Rebecca did, because... Or like I did, because we have that sort of one American parent. Um, all right, number four. So the four. next word is disconnect. Um, so I guess we could say, like, there is a disconnect. Mm-hmm. I think she says, right, there was a disconnect for her because of the dual identity. Yeah, so a disconnect is, well, I mean, think about your phone. If you're talking, you're connected on the phone or you're disconnected, you lose you, the phone call, right? So a disconnect is kind of like a, um, like something doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. It, something doesn't make sense or something doesn't match. Can you think of an example, Sina? Yeah, um... So, for example, right, I follow Turkish football quite seriously. I even have a podcast regarding it. But I don't speak the language, um, which is sort of a weird, unique first-generation issue of my own. But, um, but so there's always a slight disconnect between what I see with my own eyes and what people are sort of gathering from the media, and the, for those who speak Turkish, right? So for the me, there's always that weird disconnect between the two. Yeah. That's a good example. Um, number five. So f- number five is to feel out of place. These are all sort of thematic. Uh, this one's on me. Um, to feel out of place basically means you don't feel... Like if you're feeling... Uh, we don't use the opposite of that, in place. But, you know, that would be sort of feeling comfortable, feeling um, familiar... Right, so that's the antonym. Feeling out of place is the opposite of that. So it's like you feel like you're not comfortable or... or um, yeah, or you don't belong. Yeah, you don't belong. That's a good way of saying it, yeah. Can you, do you have like an example sentence for that one? Um, you know, if you like go to a party and... 
everybody i don't i mean i guess do we say it about clothing or do we say it more about to feel out of place no it's more your physical look it's like how you feel so if you like for example a lot of people when they go to college for the first yes. time they feel out of place because they're, they're they've left home for the first time or, it's like in a situation like for me i grew up in the city born and raised here in the city and i didn't we, of course, left the city and went out to the countryside occasionally, but like rare, mostly we like for day trips and stuff, you know, you didn't sleep outside of the city much. So I always felt really out of place when I would go to sleep in a place not, not urban. Uh, and I remember, like, especially in college, I went to university upstate in a kind of rural place and uh, always like hearing the bugs, not hearing cars and noise like that. I always felt really out of place. So that was my... That's uh, my example. It's a little different than I think what she meant, but same idea. Yeah, it's like not to fit in or you don't feel like, yeah, that you belong. All right. Um, Number six. <clears throat> the next one is hand-me-downs. This one's on you. So hand-me-downs are, um, well, it's mostly clothing that you get from either your older brother or sister or your cousin or even just a friend. It could be a car, like that's a hand-me-down car. Yeah. Anything that just that's not bought fresh for you, right? That you kind of just inherit a used version from someone in your family or... Yeah, but like with clothes, you can say, these are hand-me-downs. I think you said it was a car. This is a hand-me-down. This is a hand-me-down, yeah. So, um... I think we can go to the next one. Yeah, I mean, example sentence. This car is a hand-me-down, or these clothes are hand-me-downs. Or do you want any hand-me-downs? Like, for someone who's just had a kid. Um, Number seven. Oh, so this means, so this yeah. one is to butt heads. It's important that two in the beginning, you're using the verb to butt heads. We're not, we're not calling people butt heads, which is something else. Oh, yeah, to butt heads. Think of like two goats, or I forgot the name of those dinosaurs that did that historically, but um, to butt heads are people who like kind of um, smash heads together, and that's the literal meaning, um, those goats butt heads. But so, figurative meaning, and how we use it as an idiom, is um, like people that clash, or conflict, or fight, or argue a lot, they butt heads. So for example, in the United States, Democrats and Republicans always butt heads in the, you know, House of Congress or in the Senate or whatever it might be. Yeah, um, it's like to disagree. Do you have another uh, kind of natural example for butting heads? I think <clears throat> yours Do you know anyone who butts heads often? Well, I think yours was um, a good example, but I um, was thinking about what you said, butt head, mm-hmm. which is a noun. Yeah. So two butt heads is to disagree, but a butt head... Is, is kind a, of like a childish it's insult. Like, it means like a stupid person, right? Yeah, but it's like really only a kid would call somebody <laughs> a butthead. <clears throat> a very young kid, perhaps even. Um, but yeah, it's like a jerk. Or, you know, it doesn't really have a specific meaning. Um, it's more of a reference to the actual like butt, right? Your butt. That's the thing head. that you sit on. Right. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. Here, it's like the uh, the Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks butted heads. And unfortunately, the Knicks lost. <laughs> anyway, number eight. So number eight is gear my brain. 
had to gear my brain. Or, and there's another kind of example for it, right? You need to easily pick something up. Well, Because she was saying she could easily gear her brain to learn new languages, or she mm -hmm. could easily pick up languages, so that we, we paired them together, because in that context, they had the same meaning. Well, that's, I mean, gear. Okay, so like a car has gears, right? And... And you change your gears, right? To go faster, faster or slower. slower. And so to gear your brain, I can easily gear my brain in that way. She means she can easily change modes, shift from one way of, in this case, speaking or thinking in a certain language to another one. In that case, she's saying because of her upbringing and as the first generation, you know, learning Russian as a kid. And uh, to easily pick up um, means to learn something quickly. So, for example, I also speak a couple of languages, so I guess learning a new language is kind of easy for me to pick up. I mean, you, you, you easily I, pick I up. I easily pick up new languages. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah. But, like, you could easily pick up New tricks, you know, if you're a skateboarder, you know, or, yeah, or new moves or as a, you know, athlete of some kind. You know, mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, easily pick up new skills. Um, the next word is uh, to have wider palate. Oh, that should be yours, I feel like, but I'll take it. Um, to have a wider palate, it's uh, a palate is usually a reference to the kind of food. Not a state, not a, you don't necessarily like, but you'll try, you'll be willing to eat, right? Um, and so, yeah, there's a, which comes from a painter's palette, where um, it would be like a piece of wood which they stick their thumb in, and you have all the different paints sort of spread out on the palette. Uh, but this is more of an, that's, that's what it is as a noun. But this is more of an idiomatic expression for, and it's usually regarding food, right, Mosh? Yeah, to have, to have a wide palette is like, that you can eat many different things. Yeah. And this, I think, was actually you who said it. In the, and you were talking about how you... Because you grew up eating food that was maybe not so, quote-unquote, normal here in the United States. You were more open-minded to trying other foods from other countries. Mm -hmm. And you gained a wider palate, you know, meaning you try... A, you, you like more foods and more variety of foods than perhaps more most people here in the United States who have a limited palate, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and this is number 10, although we're going to have a bonus word, I guess, because the first one was more of the, the theme word. But So what's next? So this uh, next one is number 10, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this one is to have the upper hand. Aha, this is yours. So to have the upper hand is to basically... I guess I would say to have control. Or the advantage, right? Um, to have the advantage. So if like the te a team, uh, basketball or soccer or baseball, is winning, right? They have the upper hand. Or if, or if they been, have more talent, right? It's more yeah. even like you'd say before the game starts, ah, we, we think like the Nets have the upper hand here because they've bought... Three like, of the best players. Three of the, the best NBA. scorers to ever play the game. And they've... So, yeah, Made it impossible have, to compete. Stupid have, Nets. Sorry. They have the upper hand, so. We're not Brooklyn Nets fans around here. Huge Knicks fans, however. Anyway. Okay, and the last word is... The no bonus word, we should make note. This is 11. We usually keep it at 10. So you, you folks are lucky here. 
Uh, this word is neurotic freak. <laughs> this is a good one. Um, you sure you don't want to take this one? Um, so this was, she was joking about herself and how, um, I mean, maybe you should take this because she was talking about, this is like specifically a Russian thing where you guys uh, always feel like you have to be working or something like well, that. Well, why don't you explain neurotic and I can explain freak. Alright, I'll take them both on. I mean, so, basically, someone that's neurotic is someone who... It's like a mental disorder. Uh, and it's, a little, it's not like a nice way of talking about it. You know, I don't think people would say... In a medical context, I don't think they'd say, Oh, you're neurotic. But it's a way of saying you're like anxious. You think too much. You're worried. Way too worried all the time. Someone who has neurotic tendencies. Who is neurosis. Is, yeah. Uh, has sort of mental problems. And they worry too much. And then a freak... It's just someone who's extremely abnormal, um, to put it simply. So a neurotic freak is someone who's abnormally already something abnormal, right? So it's it's kind of yeah. redundant. But, but you you should only say that about yourself. I wouldn't say it about other people. Wouldn't be very polite to call yeah. somebody that. Um, and I think she's being she's kind of joking, joking about, about herself. herself. All right, well, those are the words. That's it, yeah. Um, so stay tuned, review these words, practice them. Um, fun vocabulary this week. We will be back very soon with, uh, with the interview with Rebecca Herlich. Stay tuned, folks. Enjoy. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you liked this episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.